Everybody and welcome back to another edition of your favorite podcast about new metal. It is the POD cast. This is episode number 46. This month we are covering one of new metal's original Nepo babies. That's right. We're covering Adima's self-titled record, Adima. I'm John, and with me is a man who I'm always asking, will you walk me to the edge again? It's Brian Quinby. Hey, everybody. What's up? Very exciting episode of Band We Haven't Done Yet. Um, That is, I don't know what to say about it. I don't want to give anything away. It's been a wonderful new metal <laughs> time lately. <laughs> uh, sick new world happened. So, yep. My wife. We didn't okay, go. We didn't go, but because I had to fucking. You had your daughter's graduation. graduation yeah. And I had. Uh, I don't even remember. Oh, I guess when the Sick New World tickets went on sale, I thought I might be in the process of moving. So I couldn't really commit to getting a ticket. But I, it's weird because it felt like when it got announced, it was a huge deal and it sold out. But I really didn't see that many people like posting about it. Like I know yeah. that, you know, Ed Zittrain was there and he was posting about it. And obviously our friend Holiday Kirk as well. But I didn't really see like there wasn't a t- it didn't seem like there was a ton of coverage on the tl of like oh there's a bunch of people at sick new world but as as opposed to when they did that emo throwback i feel like a lot more people went to that one i think it was at the same place in vegas they did like an emo one and i feel like a lot more people i know went to that las vegas is a weird place to hold shows and stuff because almost you're dependent on like fly-ins pretty much you can't you can't depend on you know, the no, people from yeah. Las Vegas to show yeah, up. I super mean, got, low population. Yeah, and they got a bunch of shit to do, and they're probably all working at night in the uh, casinos. But, like, I think that, like, yeah, I didn't see a lot about it. I saw the Deftones, like, stage set up because you sent me a picture of it. Right. But if they if they do it next year, I'll go. <laughs> I just choked just on choke. Gatorade. I don't know why I fucking took a drink of Gatorade. <laughs> You're if in they, the middle of a sentence. You didn't even wait for me to start talking. I, I know. <laughs> if it was, if it was in, if it's, if they do it next year, I'll be there for a hundred percent. Sure, I will. Yeah, go. I would say I that's just, true of me as well. You and I will, we'll have to go next year. We'll have because the kid, like, you know, they only graduate high school one time, so you have to kind of go. But like, it was really funny because I was like, so I, I got, I, I want to go to this thing and. She's like, it's during my graduation party, but you can go. And I'm like, I'm not going to be that dad. No fucking way. The guy that the guy that went to see corn <laughs> instead of going to his daughter's. Well, the guy that saw Deftones for the 17th time. I was going to say, especially for you, like it's it's true for me, too. Like I had seen a lot of the head. I've seen a lot of the headlining bands before, but I haven't seen corn. Uh, so that would have been my first time seeing corn. 
And, um, and then, yeah, there was a few other bands I haven't seen. And then like, really, I've only seen system of down once I saw deaf. I've seen Deftones a bunch, maybe like six or seven times, but, but yeah, for you, especially to be like, oh, I'm going to go to see all these bands I've already seen. And they're all old now and probably bad. Uh, have a good graduation. <laughs> yeah. It would be terrible. It would be terrible. Although that, this graduation thing, like when I graduated, I probably got all told at the end, money-wise, maybe $350 when I graduate. That, like that's, from that, all your, like from family from and stuff. everybody. Yeah, that all together, I probably got like 350 bucks. My daughter got $2,500. Wow. And I was so fucking jealous because you know why? <laughs> Just steal it from one, her. Just, she's your daughter. Just steal it. I can't do that anymore. She's 18. She's an adult now. <laughs> anymore. She can call the police. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> she goes, she, she, she's so cheap, too. That's what drives me fucking up the wall. She's, like, trying to get stuff off of me. Like, she is always home for dinner every single day. Never not here for dinner. And when I was a teen, I was never home for dinner. I was at McDonald's or some shit. But she's just like. Nope, you're buying me food. You're buying me clothes. Like she didn't spend any of that money. And then I was like, well, you know, it'll be good for your European trip. And she's like, I'm kind of hoping not to spend it all on my European trip too. And I'm like, do you ever have fun? Like, do you have any idea? <laughs> well, maybe she's like learning lessons from you, Brian, who yes. spent like tens of thousands of dollars on Lego and hype beast clothing. <laughs> That's what I want her to do. I want her to spend some money on some shit. You know what I mean? It's fun. Like what she's do you not think? Be broke, right? What do you what What do you think she would spend money on? Like if like if you gave her a thousand dollars and you were like, you have to spend this by the end of the day today, or I get all of whatever you don't spend back. What would she What would she spend that on? I mean, she does like clothes, but she doesn't wear them. It's this really weird. <laughs> I'm fucking serious, She's a naturalist. Man. She doesn't wear any clothes. She just likes to look at them in her closet. I mean, it's not even that. I'm What I'm saying is like that she has dressers full of clothes and she has a closet full of clothes and she wears like three things, which honestly is a lot like me. I wear like three. I things. think it's a lot like a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, especially like as a teen, things. I think, especially as a teen, I feel like you don't. You don't care enough, really, maybe. Uh, I guess maybe. Well, some people do, for sure. But I think, like, when I was a teen, I definitely just had that vibe of, like, whatever. This is comfortable. Or, like, I can remember when I got my first WWE t-shirt, and I was, like, so into wrestling, and I got, like, an official. Because my mom used to buy me, like, or it was WWF at the time, but she used to buy me shirts from, like, Zellers, which was, like, our version of Target. So, you know, you'd get those, like, knockoff kind of like wrestling shirts and they were like cool, but everybody could tell like, Oh yeah, you got this from Zellers. And then I got, I went to a WWE live event and I got a road dog shirt and I must've wore that like three out of five days every week. It was just like, well, I, I just thought I got to rep my wrestling guy. This is so cool. What a cool shirt. And uh, yeah, so I think you, you're, you know, at that age, certain people, don't care. They're just like, oh, this thing is comfy or it represents something I like, whatever I'm wearing it every day. Yeah, I I so I I uh when I was in LA, I did a lot of shopping cuz, you know, I I've said this over the past few months. I don't know if I've said it on here. I do have more money than 
I have in the past of my life. I'm not like bragging. I'm just saying that I do have some disposable income. Just for those days. of you who can't see Brian right now, he is actually holding a stack of $100 bills. Yeah. So like on he's a saying phone, he's not like bragging, but he's, yeah, he's like he's calling into the call with a stack of $100 bills. Yeah, that, that I love that move. Maybe I should do that sometime. You should if do I, that. I don't have that much money, but I should get all ones and do it because I always love those pictures of the guy holding yeah. a big stack of money up to his ears. Um, so like, I'm not, I'm not like struggling as much. And, and I bought all these clothes. I bought a few outfits in California. I got a Bape outfit that I really like. And I got a couple Stussy shirts and hats and shit. And, uh, I'm really happy with them. So I get home and I'm like, okay, first of all, I got to get rid of some of this stuff. Cause I had a whole drawer full of like Supreme shirts and shit like that, that I wasn't ever going to wear again. Uh, and like anti-social social club. So I have this buddy, uh, Aaron Bentley, who sells vintage clothes and I, he was coming to town. So I just gave him all of that hypebeast stuff. And so now I go in the room and I open the drawer where my shirts are. And number one, there are probably like 10 shirts in there, but I cut the sleeves off of all of them except for three. <laughs> So I literally only have three shirts with sleeves on them right now that I didn't realize when I was shopping that I had cut so many sleeves off of so many shirts. It it's crazy. Like, cause I'm, cause now like, you know, I had to go to graduation. I had to do all this stuff and I don't dress up for anything. I don't have like a suit or anything like that. And everybody, you know, it's a small, sort of a small neighborhood and everybody kind of knows me and what I do. For a living so they don't expect walk around anything. every day <laughs> yeah oh they do they 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 take pictures and send them to gwen all the fucking time they're like i saw your dad today he's looking at his phone it's like yeah that's what i do like my job is looking at my phone i'm like almost a cryptid around here a big idiot just walking 20 miles in a day Gwen, i saw your cryptid father on the street corner she has a lot of videos of me that people saw. <laughs> oh, you know, your dad. Why does your dad cross the street, not look up from his phone while he crosses the street? And I'm like, <laughs> because the fucking walk signs on. OK, you can go. They can't go. So uh, she goes. Uh, uh, I forget what I was saying, but but yeah, I, I get. So you're talking about her time. graduation, how you were not oh, yeah, dressed so I had to up dress for up. her grad. I had to dress up. I, I wore my uh, one of the shirts I bought in L.A. Um, this pink shirt I got that is actually very cool, but I realized that like also on the, it was from undefeated, but I realized also they do this thing called the clap out where on the last real day of school, the seniors walk out of school and all the parents are outside clapping crazy. I know it's very odd. Uh, but so I went to that, I wore that shirt there. So wait, 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 hold on one second. So parents like take work off to do yes. this. They like, yes. they're like, oh, I can't go in this morning. I got to go clap for my child skipping school. Well, they leave at like two when it's time oh, to get out I of see. school I on see. their last like their day. official like last day. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So we all went, and, but I was wearing a pink shirt at that. And then I started looking at the prom pictures and I was wearing a pink shirt and the prom pictures. And then when I went on the graduation, I wore the fucking pink shirt. Now I'm like in my mind, like everybody thinks I only have one shirt <laughs> and it's not, and it's not like a nice shirt. Like, like I think no, it's a t-shirt. Yeah. Like I was going to say, I think if you had, you know, like a collared 
like a collared short sleeve shirt and you were wearing that in all the photos, that's somewhat reasonable. People go like, oh, yeah, OK, whatever. Brian's a podcaster. He owns one dress shirt. It doesn't really matter because all dress shirts kind of look the same anyway. So who cares? But I think when you're wearing the same T-shirt in all yeah. the photos, then, yes, people are going to think that's the only shirt you own. In these, in these photos that took place over three weeks, you know what I mean? So <laughs> sure. it's like all these different events I had to go to and even stuff I went to for my niece and stuff like that. I'm also wearing that shirt. And I swear to you all my life, I don't wear that shirt every day. I. <laughs> I probably wear it like once a week, but I am never going to wear it again at all. Like, I think like I'm going to take a year off from the pink shirt and then come back to it. And people are like, oh, I like the pink shirt because now now it's getting like comments like, man, you look really good in that shirt. And it's like, motherfucker, you just remember me wearing it three weeks ago. And uh, very embarrassing. And I, I was very obsessive like that when I was in high school, too, where I, I just did not. I didn't want anybody to say you wear that shirt every day. Like that was the worst problem. Oh yeah, for, for me sure. was sure. Uh, and and they know the shirt. Like I had a Motley Crue shirt in fifth grade, and this kid was like, "You wear that Motley Crue shirt every day." And I was like, "Damn, I never wore it again after that." After that kid said that, I was like, "I, I never wore it again." But I. <laughs> I did wear this Motley Crue Dr. Feelgood t-shirt and it got a hole in the bottom and I cut it off and made it like a cutoff shirt and wore it to school too. So that was a look in fourth that grade. That is definitely a look. I remember I had a similar thing with hockey. I played I played summer hockey one year and <clears throat> I had this pair of extreme jeans, which that was Canada's version of Jinkos, basically. So I don't know if America had them as well, but they were like very, very similar to Jinkos if, if America didn't have them. And they I had a they were a white pair of jeans, which is oh, also those. which is very funny. They were like super baggy white pair of jeans. And like because I started getting in new, into new metal and I would like beg my parents to buy me these jeans and they wouldn't do it. They just were like, no, these the baggy jeans is like uh, for hoodlums and like all the like they just wouldn't let me do it. And then finally they let me buy a pair. And the only pair I had was a white pair, which is <laughs> in retrospect absurd that I didn't buy like a denim pair, like a blue jean pair or like a black pair. But I decided to buy a white pair of these extreme jeans. And so when I used to play Play hockey growing up I uh I would wear long johns underneath my hockey equipment or long underwear whatever you call them in America so I would wear those before hockey like I would wear them to the dressing room so I so it was the summer so you'd be obviously normally wearing shorts but because I was wearing long johns I would wear pants so that people couldn't see I was wearing long johns on my way into the dressing room and I would wear, so I had this white pair of extreme jeans. And so it's like, it's the summer. I literally am never wearing pants aside from two hockey, but every week I'm wearing these white baggy extreme jeans. Cause in my mind, those are the only cool jeans I had. And then, yeah, it was like maybe the seventh or eighth game. And a kid was like, you wear those jeans every week. And I was like, yeah. Oh my God. Like I was mortified. And of course, looking back, you're like, yeah, I wore a pair of white baggy jeans. Of course the yeah. kids noticed that that's what I was wearing. But yeah, it was the same thing. I was so mortified. I was just like, they're not going to think I'm cool. This sucks. Like it was a true, it was like one of the worst moments. I just wanted to crawl into a hole and die. It was awful. And I think I definitely very seriously 
stopped wearing them. And yes, you just sent me a link to the white Jinkos. Yes, Maiden looked I, very, very similar to that. Aside from the pockets weren't exactly like that. But oh, no, they were. Yeah, they, they, so that's I, basically the exact pair of pants I had. I basically had the same jeans, right? But <laughs> the difference was on the front of them down on the leg. There was it's that Jinko. And like embroidered into it in their cool way of writing Jinko, right? Like right, under yeah. under the pocket. So like it would be right under the pockets on the front of the jeans. And one day I was at school and I never had a backpack or anything. Like I didn't carry anything at school except for like a pen sometimes. You know what I mean? And like just didn't take my books to class or anything like that because I wasn't planning to do any work. And um, I was like, I remember I was like walking in a pen busted in my pocket a black pen oh no busted in the pocket of my white jeans and there was just this big fucking ink spot but it was high enough that my huge shirts could cover it but the problem came in that like okay so i can wear a huge shirt and cover it but then the shirt might cover the jinko <laughs> Where right and you want people want to that. see that they're official jinkos yeah, yeah. so i God. always had like this this weird dance i had with these fucking white jeans because i just thought they looked the best on me but they had like a huge ink spot because like i was i was very much like and i mean obviously after what we're talking about now even people would know i was just so conscious of of the brand of everything i'm i like it's the least it's it's the worst impulse that i have is the like i just like brands i like i like to have a branded shirt you know what i mean so totally it's it so weird funny. like when you look up extreme jeans you almost like cannot find them it's very odd like they basically don't exist like even if you look at google searches or anything they don't have this extreme jeans like and that was the name of the company and th that was like the coolest jeans you could own when I was a teenager. And I can't even find pictures of them online because I was trying to find like a picture for you, Bri. And Did I genuinely like cannot find them anywhere. Like it's and the big thing with them was it, it said extreme on the back pocket. So that was like that was how you knew that they were like official extreme jeans. And I don't even know where the fuck you bought them from. Like I, I have no clue. It was clearly a Canadian brand. Um, but like a Canadian answer to Jinko, but yeah, like I genuinely cannot find them anywhere. Yeah, I don't um, see them anywhere. I, 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 I Googled it and it's so funny because it's like, uh, uh, that stuff, they all were saying that stuff was going to come back, but I mean, it could, but like, it's such a stupid, like, I like, I like the brand names on the jeans. Cause like back then it was so big. It was just these oh, yeah. huge fucking logos because the jeans were so fucking big. And, like, it was just so important. That's the funny thing about new Metal was is that, you know, I'm not saying your, your clothes weren't important when it was, like, thrash metal because it was. Like, you know, your battle jacket and all that shit. Like, you, you had, they had almost a uniform there. But for, like, new Metal, there was also kind of a uniform but like uh uh it was it was more clean like the whole thing for me was like i just want people to know that i don't smell bad like i'm i'm like a clean guy wearing clean clothes that look clean and stylish and like uh it always feels like when like i never wore the denim jacket although 
me and my wife are talking about maybe getting me a denim jacket that I can cut the sleeves off of and start wearing everywhere because I think that's a neat look. Uh, but yeah, it was. Why so do the sleeves got to come off it all the time? <laughs> because I saw guys wearing sleeveless that Blackpool Combat Club on wrestling were wearing sleeveless oh, okay. jean jackets, <laughs> and I thought they were like the coolest shit. I love in wrestling. One of my favorite wrestling things ever is the idea of like they have a match type called a street fight, right? And it's really just a no DQ match, except for everybody wears jeans to the yeah. ring and they fight. There's no other definite. There's nothing different about it. It's because that's what would, it would look like if you got in a fight <laughs> on the street. You'd be in your jeans. Yeah. And I watched the pay-per-view and the Blackpool Combat Club comes out and they all have denim jackets with the sleeves cut off with something spray painted on the back and cesaro who who is swiss his name's claudio in this promotion just had the swiss flag on the back of his and he just wrote the word swiss across the back and i was like that is so funny now i want one of those that says something like my (laughs) wife was like you got to think of something really really like broad to put on the back of the jacket swiss Yes, Swiss. Swiss. Just to be Swiss. Like, that is so funny. This guy is like strong and like there's 80 different things he can do. And like, because it's pro wrestling, everybody's just like, yeah, he's Swiss. That's his name. He's a Swiss Swiss. guy. That's his whole thing. He's from Switzerland. (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of guys who are not from Switzerland, uh, let's talk about the album in question. We are, as I said off the top of the show, discussing the debut album. From the rock band Edema, the new metal band Edema. Uh, this album came out on August 21st, 2001. Uh, it was recorded in 2000 and 2001 at the Henson Studios in Los Angeles, California. It came out on Arista Records. It was produced by Bill Appleberry and Tobias Miller. Uh, the album did so- shockingly well. Like, I- I'm sure that we covered this when we did the single for the singles episode on the Patreon, but like, I'm shocked. Uh, This album sold, it's certified gold in America, sold over 500,000 copies in the United States, and it sold over a million worldwide. Uh, It peaked at number 27 on the Billboard 200 and number 18 on the UK rock and metal albums chart. And the singles all performed quite well. Uh, I won't go through the numbers, but uh, giving in the way you like it and freaking out all charted on both the mainstream rock and modern rock tracks chart with the peak being giving in uh, peaking at number 14 on the hot modern rock tracks chart. The album also spawned a fourth single everyone. So those are the four singles from the record giving in the way you like it uh, freaking out and everybody, everyone, I almost said everybody. Uh, But yeah, certainly there was a lot of, uh, a lot of push behind this album giving in even appeared on now. That's what they call music. Number nine, uh, which it's insane to me to believe that edema was on now nine. Uh, and then it was also in a commercial for AT and T. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably where they got a lot of their, uh, a lot of their play from was being on now. Let's look at what else was on. I mean, this is insane that Edema is on this album. <laughs> this album has Get the Party Started by Pink, I'm a Slave for Ooh. You, Britney Spears, Whenever Wherever, Shakira. It's got Jennifer Lopez, Jaw Rule, Ludacris, Petey Pablo, 
uh, City High featuring Eve, Nelly Furtado, Sync, Destiny's Child, Genuine, Backstreet Boys, U2, Aerosmith, Lenny Kravitz, Incubus, and Edema. A very odd place for them to uh, very show up. Very fucking odd. I mean, that just goes to show you how much pull Arista Records has at this time. Because oh, how yeah. the fuck does an Edema song, also, and not only an Edema song, but an Edema song about the uh, the perils of drug addiction <laughs> is on. Now, that's what they call music number nine. But anyway, uh, that is all you need to know about the Edema album. Other than, I guess, too, we can also mention... Uh, the band, uh, probably, uh, gained popularity, had something to do with the fact that, uh, the lead vocalist, Mark Chavez is the half brother of Korn's lead singer, Jonathan Davis. Uh, and the, the whole band has all types of industry connections. Dave DeRue, who was the bass player was in sex art, uh, with Ryan Shuck and Jonathan Davis. Uh, Ryan Shuck is the uh, guitarist for orgy. Um, and Chris Coles, the drummer played with cradle of, Thro- of thorns and also with video drone who are also signed to Korn's imprint elementary records. Uh, and so the association of Chavez and Coles to Korn sparked a major label bidding war, but ultimately the band signed to Arista and they got a three album deal, uh, right off the hop, which is, uh, it's good to be related to somebody, Brian. Uh, so hey, anyway, that's all the, uh, that's all the facts you need to know about the record. Brian, uh, we'll start as we always do with your history with edema in 2001. Were you aware of them? Were you listening to them? What was going on uh, in your life at, at this time with edema? I was aware of them for sure uh, that you and they were in a lot of magazines. I mean, they don't they didn't. I don't know. It's wild how many albums they sell. They sold, I guess, like crazy because it didn't seem like other people were listening to it. And I never got my hands on it. And like I hung out with new metal people and I never nobody ever was like, we should listen to edema. Nobody had edema in their CD like book but i do know that i was like you know he's 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 related to jonathan davis so it's probably good and uh but i never heard it i I, this is the first time i heard even a single was when we covered the single on there because i was like i just i've said this before this is a band that if spotify and apple music was around would be huge would would have been much bigger I think this is just a band that people were just like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll skip this. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, I, I mean, I guess a lot of people didn't. That's how I was. I decided, yeah, I'm just going to skip this one. I'm not going to like this. 2001 is also a year that I'm getting into the strokes and, uh, a, a few of those other bands too, you know? So this was probably just right behind it. And I, I probably, I was like, oh, what are you into edema? Like as a joke, making fun of people for liking edema. So uh, I didn't have much. I didn't. I never saw them live. And I don't think I ever heard them back then. So, yeah, I was going to say I was a little surprised because they definitely, uh, you know, they definitely toured with a lot of bigger bands. Uh, They toured with Cold, Stained. They were also on the Music as a Weapon tour, the Snowcore tour, the Project Revolution tour with uh, with Linkin Park. Uh, they were also on Ozfest. Uh, they played the main stage uh, I may of have Ozfest. Seen uh, I may the, have seen them then. Yeah, the year that the uh, the album came out, they played the the main stage of Ozfest. Uh, let me take a look here. 
I'm just going to try sure and see who there. else played that that version of it. It's always fun to think about the. Uh, I know, I know. If you name three bands, I'll know if I was there or not. Because I went to so many odds fests, I just don't remember what years. Well, I'm I sure went, it would have been. Know? Must have been '01. Uh, let's see here. '01, United 01. States. Yeah. Okay. '01 was. God, this is a real. I love reading these. This is a real who's who. Uh, so this is OzFest 2001 main stage, Ozzy Osbourne, System of a Down, Rob Zombie, POD, Drowning Pool, who dropped off the tour after Dave Williams died, Edema, Black Label Society, and Tommy Lee. Um, so kind of insane <sighs> that Edema, like Edema doesn't even fit with the size of those other bit, like those other bands are so much bigger. All of those bands are way bigger yeah. than edema in my mind. And then the second stage was down hate breed, Mashuga, soil flaw, third strike, pulse ultra, il Nino, Andrew WK, Glassjaw, the used, uh, OTEP, the apex theory, Chevelle, mushroom head, Seether that reads like uh bands we've covered for y'all want a single episode yeah. that's like exclusively <laughs> those those bands so yeah i don't know did you go that year do you think i don't know i think when you said tommy lee it it might have shook loose of like that i think i would have been there there weren't a lot of bands that i really liked on on that tour so if i did go it was just to hang out with my friends at a at a place, you know, because Ozfest tickets, like people that are really into like uh, uh that go to shows and stuff now that are that are kind of younger or kind of younger, just like shows are expensive. It's two hundred fifty dollars to go to a fucking concert. I was just looking at uh nosebleed seats for fucking Bruce Springsteen, and they were four hundred and fifty dollars a piece. It's insane. And, yeah, it's crazy because I kind of wanted to go, but I'm not paying that much money. And uh, uh but like. Back then, Ozfest. I think, man, if I'm not mistaken, you were you were getting into Ozfest like thirty five dollars, maybe forty bucks. Oh yeah, that's know? what Warp Tour was for sure. Warp, yeah, Warp Tour was scenes. very similar. Yeah, so it was like kind of a scene anyway. If you if you were into that kind of stuff, so I could have been there. I do remember being there one year when Tommy Lee was there. So well, I, I would think I was there. I mean, this just kind of speaks to how big they were, too. So, like, if you look at Project Revolution, uh, so they were on Project Revolution the first year that Linkin Park did it. And the main stage was Linkin Park, Cypress Hill and Edema, which is like, that's crazy. How is that? Yeah. that they're like one of three mains and that that's playing arenas. They, they were they were playing like full on hockey arenas on that tour. Then they were also on the main stage for Snow Core in 2002. This is a little more like their level. It's uh, Alien Ant Farm, Glassjaw, Earshot, The Apex Theory, and Edema. So that's a little bit more in their zone. And then they were on the very first Music as a Weapon tour also. And that's Disturbed, Drowning Pool, Stereo Mud, Systematic, and Edema. So yeah. like in 2000 and 2000, or sorry, in 2001 and 2002, I mean, they're like, they're on the main stage of like three huge festivals. And then, yeah, they also did a, a, a long run with stained and, and cold. So like they, they were a huge band at the time, but you're right. Like, I mean, again, we've talked about this on the show a lot. 
I was 15, 16. I, well, no, I would have been 15 when this came out in 2001, uh, turning 16. And um, it just like for me, it was such a there was just such a dead zone of this type of music in Canada. It was just like if they weren't big enough to be on much music or on the radio, it was just so hard to find out about these bands. There's no Spotify. There's no Apple music. None of these bands ever came to Canada. Like almost all the tours they would skip. If they came to Canada, they'd go to Toronto. I was living in Vancouver by then. So like you never saw them on tour. You never there was just no way of hearing them really, unless they were on a compilation or like a soundtrack that you bought. I did find out about some bands that way, but it was just so hard. And so like Adima is totally one of those bands where as soon as you and I started doing this show, their name started popping up a bunch. And then obviously you learn about Mark being Jonathan's half brother and stuff, but they were just not a band that was ever on my radar. And so I'm always so shocked when you see these like massive tours and massive album sales for like a band that I just truly like never heard of really. They just, they just get, and that that's what I was saying about it. It's fun to think about this stuff sometimes about like, if we had access, what would our musical taste have been like if we had access to the music that people that, you know, teens have now, like this would probably be a much more important album to people, but it doesn't feel important when, when, when you talk about it, you know, I think it's been up in the uh, poll a few times and just got destroyed. And it's just because I don't think people know. I guess I don't think people know about them because it, again, like all the music in the world is $13 a month now. Whereas back then, like you got 12 songs for that. And like, you just, I don't know if, if, if new metal wasn't my priority at the time, I was never going to pick this album up. And, uh, I, I, I think, and I'll get into what I thought of the album. Now I should have picked this album up. This album fucking rules. And I'm going to just say it right now, early on in the episode. I think I did the last time this happened. This right here is a perfecto. This no, what is perfect. This is your second Brian's perfecto in yes. 46 episodes. Yep. This is a perfecto. This that is this album is perfect. This every song. Oh, <laughs> OK. Well, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, also, Brian, kind of a weird way to announce to the people that you're pro-life. Um, but, yes. uh, you know, uh, that's if you say every song is good, then that includes the pro-life song. And I can only imagine it's because you agree with its politics. Yeah. My, uh, my politics have changed quite a bit <laughs> since I started doing a non-political show. <laughs> Or since you listen to this album, you're like, ah, you know what? Actually, Mark yeah. Chavez has made me reconsider everything I ever knew about uh, yeah. the, the abortion debate. Well, I didn't um, even read that until after I'd listened to it. And even then, it was just like, you know what? Everybody has bad politics. So oh, what are you yeah, yeah. Do? No, I, it's, this it's album like, is so, it's so fucking good. There is not a bad song on the album. It's it's like um, it's funny because it's it's like UFC, right? It's like if you just like watching MMA like I do um, on some level, you just have to you have to ignore yeah. th the bad stuff or or you just can't even like it. And it's kind of the same with new metal. I mean, you you can't really be picky and choosy about which new metal bands have good politics because then you wouldn't be listening to very many of them. Well, so. and, and I'll say this, that that does not mean this is the best album that we've ever covered 
You know what I mean? The same way it didn't mean science was the best album we ever covered. I like a lot of albums more than I like this album, but I think this album is like, there's nothing bad on it at all to me. I I just, yeah, it's like almost like even just a perfect mix of things that I like, like the, the actual like vibe and the music is a perfect mix of like corn it's got orgy in there, and it definitely has like a little bit of like a, a regular like kind of uh, metal metal, you know, like like they I, I feel like they blended everything I like. This is almost like the first B tier band, which, you know, we can argue about whatever they sold. It's B tier. They're a B tier band for sure. Everything. Yeah. But they're the first one that ever grabbed all the things I like. And put them in their sound rather than like, you know, some of the other B tier bands, you know, they grabbed like the, the, the kind of, uh, Aaron Lewis voice and the like, uh, or like the more, you know, grungy tones of stained and then grabbed like uh alien ant farm, which is a band that I'm not super into. And they just grabbed a bunch of influences that I don't really like this band. It's almost like AI music in a way. Like it, <laughs> it grabbed everything. It grabbed everything that I like. And you put you put corn orgy and regular metal into Chat GPT, and this is what it came out with. It is. It is. It absolutely fucking is. It's crazy. I. I mean, as I was writing, as I was taking notes about the album, I was just getting more and more passionate because it's like every fucking song would come on. I'm like, this fucking rules. Like in the first second, the first thing I wrote is that the opening riff is really good. Every time I listen to something new and it opens with a beast riff, I'm like, please don't let the voice ruin it. And then it didn't. It fucking didn't ruin. It. I love this guy's voice. Like, it's crazy. Like, the singer is great. I know he's not in the band anymore, but he's great. He's so good. He's, like, maybe the perfect new metal singer, too. Yeah, they hate him. I mean, they really hate him. Oh, we're I gonna know. Get in, we're going to get into that with the articles, for sure. Um, but, yeah, so, um, okay, well, geez, Brian's Perfecto. What a way to tee me <laughs> up to two, talk baby. about this. I, uh, I also thought it was really good. Um, I... This was, you know, you talk, we've, we've talked about this a lot on the show and you just talked about it, but like if I had Spotify and Apple music and whatever in 2001, I would have heard this album and this album would have hit me right between the eyes. I would have fucking loved it. Like this was especially like, I liked it now, obviously I thought it was very, very good, but it was also one of those where I know if I heard this at that time, this would have, they would have been one of my favorite bands. I would have told people because, you know, I'm sure you're the same too. Like in by 2001, liking corn and limb biscuit, wasn't that unique, you know? So it was like, I, I've always liked to be a little bit snobby with my musical (laughs) taste. You know, it's always nice to think you're listening to stuff that other people are not listening to. So this would have been that band in Oh one, it would have been like, Oh, you've probably never heard edema, uh, but it's the guy from Corn's half brother, and it's fucking awesome. And I I agree with you completely. It I think it's exactly w- how you described. It's like a mix of corn and orgy. But I would say the third thing is not regular metal. To me, 
it's corn orgy in Lincoln Park. That's what I hear in this. There's less rapping. There's less like straight ahead rapping of Lincoln Park. But as far as the way the album is produced, it's produced in that way we've talked about with like disturbed and stuff where it's produced in a way to be accessible. It's not produced in a way to be super, super heavy, but I think it really works because the hooks and the riffs are very, very good. Um, but it's, it doesn't have like a rawness that, you know, sort of corn would have, and it doesn't have that sort of bombastic sound that limp, uh, that limp biscuit had, or even Deftones had a really bright sound as well. This is just kind of right in the middle of that. It sounds the way it's produced sounds very Lincoln park to me. Uh, but I do agree uh, very, very similar to corn and orgy. And it's also like remarkable that this guy is the half brother of Jonathan Davis, but sounds exactly like, him. but like, <laughs> but, like a, but like a better singer, I think, like, I actually yeah. think he's a better technical singer than Jonathan Davis. Do I think, I think Jonathan Davis is a better overall front man. I think the, you know, hit the emotive quality of Jonathan Davis's voice, I think would put him ahead of Mark for me. But I think as far as like, if you can sell someone on edema, you'd say, Oh, you like corn. Do you like the singer of corn? This guy's like, if the singer of corn took a bunch of singing lessons and like, got like, he's just like a very, uh, you know, very kind of streamlined version of John Davis. And there's parts on this where sometimes he's singing and I had to look up, like, is John Davis singing backup on this? Like it, he, he has moments where he sounds so much like Jonathan Davis, but anyway, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't know if it's perfect for me. Um, I think there's a few songs that you could probably cut on here, but I mean, for the most part, yeah, I, I think it's a really, really strong album. It does make you feel like uh, Jonathan Davis and, and Marky were in their bedroom when they were younger. And they're like, while you were playing Nintendo, we were practicing new metal voice. Like, it, that's what it kind of felt like to me. It's like, the, how are their voices the same? Did they practice together? Is there a, there's a few songs where it sounds like I start wondering during a few of the songs, is he singing about the same person that jonathan davis is singing about and kill you that's the part i think thought about is like in the song kill you is about his stepmom and he hated her is that also does is this guy like well that's my real mom and and i hate her you know (laughs) yeah very or maybe maybe he wrote a song later that was like in his side project that's like jonathan davis is all wrong about my mommy and like just that it, that could be it i i'm really fascinated by this guy this this marky sanchez first off cuz he goes chavez. by marky sanchez or chavez or whatever it is he goes Ch- by marky chavez yeah yeah they, they call him they all call him marky yeah marky chavez he sounds exactly almost like jonathan davis every once in a, um, like on almost every song there's a little bit but it is like you remember when we covered uh orgy and that song revival on it i was just like that song was like i tried to get my wife to make it our song and all this stuff this album sounds like that song like this album basically to me sounds like that song and i'm also a lot less surprised that they they were a big band a bigger band than i thought because like it's good. It's like actually good. There's not a ton of, and I do also think the way you like it, I do remember that getting airplay. 
But I had just been to a point in my life where getting radio play was almost a negative. Because it's like, if you're getting radio play, that means you're doing what I don't like and fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, I was very much, I think we were both different in that respect because you were younger than I was. But I had gotten to that point where we're like, hey, there's this this thing that I really love that used to be like the small thing that even, you know, people would make fun of me for liking. And now it's like this huge fucking thing. So when somebody hits the radio, because you don't have the language for how it makes you feel, you just say they sold out. So this might have also just been a uh, Edema sold out immediately. Well, also it's also easy to call them a sellout because it's Jonathan Davis's half brother. Like what? Because we, we didn't have we didn't know the term industry plant back then. So you would have just said, "Oh, well, they're a sellout." It's like Jonathan Davis's half brother; they're a sellout. Kind of a failure of an industry plant, though. I would say because they are not big now. Were they on Sick New World? Like, are, oh, I don't are know. they on any of these tours, right? Are they like, because I know that they're still doing it. They have a new lead singer, uh, which, you know, I always think that's really smart of a band, in my opinion, to like, you know, get rid of your lead singer. Like they did with uh, what's it called? Flyleaf, right? Where they're like, we got rid of our yeah. lead singer and we brought her back. Now we're going to sell a whole bunch of. <laughs> yeah, we brought her back so that she can fund. Uh... So she can fund gay conversion therapy. Did you see that whole thing? I didn't. No, but I just, oh, I think, yeah, it's, I have this theory. So I have this theory. They did not role. play Sick New World. Sorry to interrupt you, but they did okay. not play Sick New World. So this theory about like roller coasters that like, or, or rides at a, at a park that when somebody, look, nobody, you don't want anybody to die on one of these things for sure. You don't want anybody to die on a ride, but it feels like after that happens, the ride becomes more legitimate. You know what I mean? Like, wow, that is fucking actually scary. Like the fear on the ride is more legitimate. And I like the idea of this band being like, yeah, you know, we've had three singers since Marky Sanchez because then they can hit one of these nostalgia tours with Adima featuring Marky Sanchez. And I know they say that's never going to happen, but they, it's going to happen. It is definitely going to happen for sure. Adima <laughs> has, a, this is very odd, but Adima has one show currently booked and it is for December 7th, 2023 at the whiskey a go, go in Los Angeles. And that is the what? only show that Adima has on the record right now. Do you think, or on I'll the ask books. you this, I'll ask you this. Do you think that it's actually possible that they're trying to get uh Marky back? So they have till December to figure it out. <laughs> Oh, very possible. <laughs> they bought themselves a bunch oh. of time. <laughs> oh, never mind. Sorry. They're on the uh they're on the new metal madness tour two, the one that Crazy Town got kicked off of. Um it's uh, head PE crazy head PE crazy town and edema. Okay. So, so that's All the right. that's the lineup, but then they're and then they're also playing a bunch of festivals. They're playing that Blue Ridge Rock Festival in Virginia. Um, and, uh, yeah, it looks like they've also, they're also playing some one-offs, uh, Adima played the blue grouch pub on April 29th. Oh, that's <laughs> so, like when we were reading, uh, trap. Uh, yeah. Yes. Trap oh. playing the, uh, Yikes. every, every buddies bar in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The, the blue, the blue grouch is in Springfield, Illinois. 
A quaint neighborhood bar to enjoy after work drinks, gaming machines, and great drink specials. That's where I want to see my heavy metal. If you want to go to the Blue Grouch tonight, they've got it's uh, it's karaoke night with Debbie Cakes. I love Debbie Cakes. One of my favorite, (laughs) actually, out there. It is it is so like. I mean, yes, they're industry plants, and yes, most of the band is going to get to make a living doing this for the rest of their lives but it is also interesting that like (laughs) it seems like the success of this album like fucked up the lead singer so bad that like i i I assume and this is just me assuming and i know that can make an ass out of you and me but this is i just i have nothing to do with it I, I understand, but I'm going to assume something here. We're all okay. going to look like a bunch of fucking asses. That he felt like the most important guy in the band because of his oh, brother. definitely. You know what I mean? And like definitely. he would bring it up because I know that like when this guy does interviews, and we didn't read a lot of interviews with him where he mentioned it, but I think that like the fact that they mention that and they don't mention the connections of the other people in the band probably gave him the idea that he was the most important part of the band when really, I mean, I I think in back then, back in 2003, four, whenever they broke up, I I'm sure the edema community was like, I'm not fuck this shit, man. The singer's not here. It's not the band anymore, but now we're in 2023. And I don't think anybody gives a shit who is singing it. As long as it sounds like what they heard in 2001, when the album came out, Oh, no question about it. And I think you're totally right. Like, I mean, they were in a major label bidding war. They signed with Arista Records. I'm sure. And it does seem to me, we're going to get to it when we get to the articles, but it seems to me like they were fairly pushy about Mark. They talk about making him take vocal lessons. They talk about like just his general kind of demeanor in the band. Like they, they kind of shit on him in interviews where he's not there. So it's I would imagine that is the dynamic of the band when they're like hanging out. And if I am Marky, I would imagine my dynamic in that situation would be like, well, we wouldn't have a deal without me. We wouldn't have gotten on Arista sure. Records without me. So leave me the fuck alone, you loser. And then the guy might be like, I was in sex art with your brother, too. And he'd be like, so who no, do you think Corn got famous because of sex art? I don't. Uh, you know, so like, whatever. I, I just think to me, you're right. Like, I'm sure that that was a source of friction in the band where he probably, it seems like they kind of, maybe he never even wanted to be in a band really, or maybe he never really wanted to be in the sort of rock star lifestyle. Like it kind of, the stuff you read from him, you don't get the sense of like, oh, this guy's a confident front man that like loves this life. And so I just wonder if he kind of felt forced into it maybe a little bit. And then when they got big or bigger and more pressures were being put on him, he was just kind of like, fuck you. Not, we, none of us would be here without my brother anyway, or without me being related to my brother. So like, shut up. You know, I, I think that was definitely a factor. I do I do want to say that as I listen to this, one of the thoughts that popped in my mind is this must be what sex art sounded like. Because that's a band that's like a white whale sort of situation. We know sex art exists. We know LAPD exists. We've heard LAPD. We've never heard sex art. You know what I mean? And this 
this could be what sex art actually sounded like, which was very exciting for me to think. I, I know it was probably a little weirder than this or whatever, but like the pieces that made corn were in these two bands and one of them, there is no, no, it looks like song. there's uh looks like there's one sex art song uh, that is out there called inside. It seems like quite a few people have posted that song. Um, okay. But so there's so there's, so there's one yeah yeah, yeah i can play I can, let's see here I'll, oh can you hear this no you probably can't through no my, through my soundboard but there's a whole L, there's a whole lapd album out there which is fieldy and i think it's all the guys except for jonathan davis and maybe head uh um, i don't think i don't think david's in it right and David's- lapd they brought David on later lapd was david i think david and monkey were in lapd maybe an incredibly bad name too. I got to get that up. Okay, here. I'm listening to this sex art song, and it sounds like Stone Temple Pilots. Okay, well, yeah, that sounds about right. So David and Monkey were in LAPD. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, and they went from 1989 to 1992. I have heard this album, and it is not good. <laughs> Love and peace, dude. Yeah, the name is Love and Peace, dude. When you start looking at the song titles, Don't Label Me, Stinging Like a Bee, Slicky Slickster, uh, (laughs) St. Ides, which, okay, Sexploration is the name. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah. really good. They got a song called James Brown, which I assume is probably bordering on offensive for sure. Uh, Interestingly enough, they have a song called Jesus, but neither of the uh, religious people in the band were in this band. So, yeah, it's just uh, Sexploration is truly a great album name. And Love and Peace, dude, is the worst thing in the world. It's the worst band name maybe I've ever heard. Um, Yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty impressive for sure. Um, okay, do you want to talk about some of the songs uh, yes. specifically here, Brian? I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, so so I, I didn't really talk about this before, but this was my sort of progression with this record is um, I listened to it the first time and I thought, uh, and we listened to The Way You Like It for a single, which if you want to check out, Brian and I review two singles a month on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the POD cast. But uh we had reviewed it before and I remember liking the edema single. I think it rated pretty highly on our uh, ranking of the fifth first 50 singles we covered. I think it was pretty high on there. Like we were feeling pretty good about it and we both liked it. And I remember liking it. So I was already on board with that. And then uh, I would say the first six ish songs I was in all the way my, on my first listen. I was like, these are all good. This is good. This sounds great. I'm in on everything. All good. And then I thought uh, back dove a little bit in the second half. I kind of thought, Oh, it's, it's still good, but the songs are kind of sounding a little bit the same, but then drowning was really good. Like the riff in that song is huge and awesome. So then I was like, okay, overall pretty good. Then I listened to it a second time and I didn't have any of those feelings about the back half. I was just like, oh no, th- this is just like, these are all good songs. I-, I like all of these. I'm in, I'm in on all of them. And like, obviously I, I think the lyrics for some of them are, are pretty rough. Um, and then, yeah, obviously there's a pro-life song, which I'm not <laughs> enamored with. He actually but, but did like, not, he did actually, I will say this. He did say he doesn't blame the woman for doing what she did. That 
sure. part of it, which is, you know, it's kind of like, fuck you, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if it was pro-life, but it could definitely be, uh, what's the word? It could definitely be thought of as that. Like, it's not the best. Yes. It's not the best of, uh, song. Like, the song starts, so the song is called Speculum, which is already <laughs> gross. such a gross and weird name for a song. There are so many people dying. You complain about your situation. What about me? Half the world wouldn't know what it's like to lose your seed. So that's a little bit MRA for me. Uh, uh, my seed my seed knocked you up and you wouldn't even know what it's like to lose that. Maybe you can understand how it feels. I cannot reach that soul. You're probably watching over us. Know that I think of you. It's killing me. The guilt has lasted years. You still cry. It was all planned out. Why was I the last to know? Don't you trust in me? The table's cold. It's too late to make up for these mistakes. Maybe you can't understand how it feels. And then it repeats the chorus. And he just says, if I would have known, I can't say what I would have done. If you could forgive, I'd like to rest with you someday. Uh, talking to their their future child. Uh, but yeah, young. just that just that one line of the like half the world wouldn't know what it's like to lose your seed. That's where it got a little bit like, OK, it does. <laughs> I, I, I I'm not <laughs> defending him, but it does seem like a real young guy thing to say to me. Oh, sure. Though. Sure. Especially like, you know, these guys are Bakersfield, which is basically the Midwest. So I feel like I kind of know them anyway. Right. And uh I mean, I probably would have said the same thing back then. And, it's only and also, fair. Sorry, go ahead. And also would have felt like, like, I, I would be like, oh, it's okay. You know, she, he, she didn't discuss having an abortion. Now, here's another side of it. The story is probably a lie. I would, I, I think is, is it's possible. I, I think. Well, I was going to say, I should be fair to Marky here. This is what he said about it. Uh, so this was an interview with Rockin' World, which is a great That's name a good for name. anything. And the interview was conducted by Anti Guy, um, which is also a great name. Uh, it's from 2001 when the album came out. I don't like out. that name, John. I don't like that name at all. <laughs> you know? uh, so It's a bad name. Rockin' World just asks what Speculum is about. Marky says that song is about losing a child, actually an abortion. Somebody in the band, I won't say who, but one of the boys in the band had a girlfriend and she was pregnant with his kid and didn't even tell him and then had an abortion and he found out about it after. It's not putting all the blame on a woman because there is a part in the chorus that goes, if I would have known, I can't say what I would have done. It's kind of like a serious song, kind of a tribute to that. You know, and it, it, it definitely like, I, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you that when Katie got pregnant in 2003, I think at the, oh no, it would have been 2004, early 2004, whatever, you know, whenever it happened, uh, <laughs> the, like the way that we found out was that, well, the way she found out she took a test because, you know, women can kind of see it coming, I guess. And she was, you know, positive. And uh, I, I like got home from work and she had put a post-it note in the bathroom that said, you're going to be a dad. And I fucking walked out of the room and said, are you fucking serious? So what are we going to do about it? And then like, you know, went and bought some drugs, like went and bought some painkillers in an alley in a really bad neighborhood in town with my brother. As he was saying, it's going to change your life. It's the worst thing that's going to happen to you because he had already had a kid, you know? And, uh, um, the first thing I said is like, and I'm very 
young at this time. I said, uh, what are we going to do about it? And she's like, we're going to have it because we can afford it, which we couldn't really, but <laughs> we were making good enough money that, and, and I think that's like a pro-life kind of message that I made. But like, I also have never said like, you're not allowed. You know what I mean? Like I've also never been a guy that's like, uh, Hey, look, this is the woman's thing. And like, if she wants to get an abortion, Honestly, you don't get any say for dudes. Yeah. That's that's how I yeah. feel now. But back then, I think at, at the time, I was just such a fucking moron that, like, uh, uh, I didn't really know kind of what I was. But I do remember characterizing myself as pro-choice that that whole time. And, and so did Katie. And, like, it is a very good possibility that maybe he still sees himself as pro-choice but he was writing a song about a story he made up in his head <laughs> because i also think it's a lie i just feel like it's a lie um but even if because i mean why would the woman then tell the guy right i got an abortion like what's the point in fucking telling the guy so i don't know i well seems like i don't a know oh, by i think a white that's... trash guy it just seems like <laughs> a white trash guy dealing with abortion you know what I mean? And a sure. lot of these songs have white trash guy vibes, which maybe is oh, why I like them. Def well, definitely true. Like it, it is, it is funny to think like, you know, I think the song do what you want to do had some really funny lyrics as well, where it's just like, do what you want to do, where the fuck you want to do it. Try hard to live your life, live life the way that you want. That's the chorus of the song. And then one of the verses is life's okay. So don't complain. You can't obtain, figure out how to maintain. It's a shame. Make a change. So life will never, ever find me down. Found out just what it's really all about. Never doubt. I wish I could get out. Why do you have to put this on me? And it's yeah. like, th th that's really bad song. Writing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, also I want to say this about this album we get the song freaking out comes on right yeah uh, i'm listening i fucking typed in all caps he's rapping i was so fucking excited that this guy was rapping that i was just like this is fucking perfect jonathan davis never raps we've talked about that jonathan davis never raps this guy is also jonathan davis if jonathan davis rapped and the song uh freaking out is very funny in the same way. It's very funny in the same way that Only God Knows Why by Kid Rock is really funny because this whole song is like written for their first album. Like, how you like me now that I'm famous? <laughs> it's like, he, I was so much an outcast. No one ever liked me because I wasn't wanted. I was so different from the rest of them, all fucked up on the drugs from all the speed. And I never got no sleep because I kept tripping over what they said. And everything that my mom said made me mad. And everything that my dad said made me sad. Yeah, that <laughs> line was so funny. I remember yeah. that line, too. My mom uh, made me mad and my dad made me sad. You can't. Well, and then the first thing when he said my mom made me mad, I was like, is this the same mom that yeah. Jonathan Davis wanted to kill in that song? Like, is this part of more of like an extended universe kind of situation where like this song is a sequel to kill you off of Life is Peachy? I wonder. But he also goes, you keep shooting these glances relating to the rawness. I'm a fucking lost kid trying so hard to become just like me. Talk like me. Walk like me. You keep tripping on everything I wear every time I swear. Which, by the way, if you remember in Kill You, Jonathan makes a point. 
to say that she hated his clothes, right? Yeah. Like yeah. there is a line. I, I don't know if, but uh, now this guy's talking about how his mom always had something to say about his clothes. So it seems to me that we get a little bit more information about this stepmom from Kill You, which is exciting for me because it's one of my favorite songs. And yeah. I like to hear more. It's like the MCU. Uh, he just men. says uh, in Kill You, he says, but you slap me and you make some fucked up comment about my clothes. Then yes. I tried to let it pass. But the visions in my head were with you with a knife. Up okay, your that's ass, a little too far, though. That's a little too far. Like he's like, you made fun of my clothes, so I I killed you by shoving a knife up your ass, <laughs> which is okay. That's it's not a little. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a lot too much. But it is very funny. Like, but like there are. Uh, I was so much. Where is it at? So basically, like by the end of the song, he's talking about like a, he's it's a real how you like me now kind of situation, and it's very funny to do that before you even know if the album was going to be a hit much like only God knows why, which one of my favorite new metal songs ever, which isn't really a new metal song, but a hilarious song about this guy saying he's like platinum selling artist on the road before he even sold 10 albums, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, Adima, the uh, Marky also has that thing where he has multiple songs about like being addicted to drugs or whatever, which like might be true or I'm sure is true. And he's had drug problems. But you generally also get those songs from rock bands after they've been famous. And it's more about the like temptations yeah. of drugs like, oh, I was a big rock star. And so I got dr I got did drugs constantly. And that's my issue. And he's kind of just like. Yeah, I'm super fucked up on drugs. My parents were bad uh, and I can't deal with fame. But like, honestly, though, that might be a little bit of like foreshadowing for kind of what I was talking about earlier. Like, I just am not positive that he loved even being in a band, kind of like I just even that that interview with Rock and World. It's very funny because the the guy or anti guy who's writing the article um, mm is interviewing Chris uh, from the band, Chris Coles, the drummer. And then he asks Chris about some of the song meanings. It seems like they're on the road. Like Chris is on the phone with him or something from a tour bus or something like that, because he says, you know, I would like to ask you about some of the specific songs on the record. And Chris is like, Oh, Marky's better to answer that. And it seems like he passes the phone to Marky and then Marky answers the questions about the record and then uh, like about the songs on the record. And then he's like, all right, see you later. <laughs> Here's Chris. I'm gone. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny because there is a line in the way you like it. that's like really good. Um, that, that like for me, like very early on when I started sort of making a living doing street fight and stuff, like it was something that I kind of struggled with at the time. And he has that line. My life has changed, but fuck the fame. I'll stay the same. You can't complain when you can pay the bills and do your thing, which is one of the things when you're like, when you're like, okay, now I'm making a living doing the thing I want to do, but nobody wants to hear that anything I have any bad feelings at all because I'm doing the thing that I want to do, which is a really frustrating thing. If you have any sort of public profile that becomes like, well, but you know, you make money too. Why am I not allowed to make money? So I really like that. I like that line, but the song is also again, so presumptuous. Don't sing about being famous before you're famous. Never do that. 
everybody if you're writing an album and i know that it's about betting on yourself like like that stupid story where jim carrey wrote himself a 10 million dollar check and was <laughs> like uh i'm gonna cash this someday um that's how the, checks work same by the way i'm trying to imagine jim carrey going to the bank with a check for 10 million dollars made out to himself <laughs> i wonder what it was i i always heard that story where when Jim Carrey, right before he got Ace Ventura, was like, I'm going to write myself a check for this amount of money that I know I'll make someday. And then I don't know what he would do after. I, I honestly, the, when you brought that, as soon as you started to say that, I was like, that's not how checks work at all. It's definitely not how checks work. But yeah, this is the story. Uh, this is from uh, Medium. Uh, Jim. Yeah. I mean, this doesn't even make sense. Like, yeah. <laughs> This is such a funny, like, uh, he didn't grow up in the richest of families. In 1985, Carrie made an audacious decision. It's like not audacious to just, I could write myself <laughs> a check for $10 million right now. I wouldn't think of I myself know. as brave. Uh, Carrie made an audacious decision. He wrote himself a $10 million check for, quote, acting services rendered, dated it 10 years in the future, and kept it in his wallet and took it with him everywhere he went. Call it a coincidence, but in November 1995, Carrie found out he was cast in the movie Dumb and Dumber for, you guessed it, $10 million. Some might chalk this up as the law of attraction, a belief that positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experiences into a person's life, but doing so is actually missing the point. Instead, it was the physical written check which sat in Carrie's wallet for 10 years that did the trick. As Sir John Hargrave says, until it's on paper, it's vapor. Oh my God, it's such an idiotic thing to do. Like, it, it is not audacious to do something privately and hold yeah. yourself accountable for this private that's not audacious now if i was like i'm writing myself a check for 10 million dollars on the show and i'm like in, in five years i'm gonna have 10 million dollars this is the way it is that is actually like that's audacious because people are like you'll never have 10 million dollars and they're 100 percent right in my case but <laughs> like it's just like he privately wrote a thing down and then it ended up happening and you know i'm sure he fudged the dates a lot too this is this is such a publicist written story of course you know but i I said in 10 years i would get 10 million and wouldn't you know it exactly 10 years later i did because that's that's the thing right it's like that's what i'm talking about with the way you like it and a few of these other songs and again to another extent only god knows why by kid rock is that it is very that it's audacious to write a song about how successful and famous you are before you're successful and famous, you know, because I, I would I would probably say this album is kind of a uh, they're kind of failures as industry plants. Again, they didn't even play Sick New World. Like you look at some of the bands at the bottom of that bill on Sick New World. Or like they're not on incarceration. They weren't on Sonic Temple. They're not on any of these big fucking tours because I think they're not big enough to be on these fucking tours. They're almost like a cover band now with the different singer and stuff like that. So that's audacious. I respect the audaciousness of writing the song about what it's like to be famous before you're famous. For like, sure. I, I respect the shit out of that. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there's the other way this could happen, John, where like somebody is listening to this album because they found out that Jonathan Davis's brother had an album and they were like, uh, and it's like an odd curiosity from back in 2001. And they're listening to this. and They're like, this motherfucker thought he was going to be so huge and goof on him. Well, I mean, genuinely, too. Right. Like, if you think about, you know, we we've talked about it a ton on the show, like that is how bands got sold to you back then. Like if you went into the record store and there was a sticker on the edema and it was like, you went into the record store and right beside the corn album is the edema album. And there's a sticker on the edema album that says featuring Jonathan Davis's half brother. You'd be like, Oh, okay. That maybe that's interesting to me as a 15 year old (laughs) kid. You'd be like, maybe I do. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll get this solely based on that. Like, You're totally right. It's not only that they got a record deal, but I'm sure they got on tours and sold records specifically because Marky was Jonathan Davis's half brother. For sure. For sure. Like, I I mean, if if, listen, if my brother was famous, like Jonathan Davis, I would have used it. I don't. I think what happens to guys like what happens to guys like this is that like then they they begin to feel because like, honestly, if if this album had a sticker that said this is Jonathan Davis's half brother, I think like it I would be like, holy shit, I got to hear this. This could be like another corn. Totally. Even though they're not blood related or anything like that, you're just feeling like this could be another corn album. Basically, if, if, you know, why are they pointing out that this guy's his brother? You know, it must mean that they sound a bit like corn. And for sure. uh, Yeah. So I could definitely see people buying this just on, on speculating because they think for some reason, Jonathan Davis and his brother, his half brother sat in their bedroom when they were growing up and fucking practice growling and shit. 100%. Um, all right. Are you I, ready to, uh, to get to the articles? Do you got anything else you want to add? I just want this, the, the chorus to the way you like it. Right, now you're begging me to stay. Now you're begging me to stay. I'll get inside you. They would always say I'd never be shit. They would always say I'd never be shit. But look at me now. Look at me now. Now you're begging me to stay. Now you're begging me to stay. That is seriously like that is seriously like just being like, I'm going to be in the biggest fucking band in the world, man. <laughs> and all these fucking people that talk. And listen, I had a box of like things I wrote growing up, like a journaling sort of situation that I just wrote things down when I was feeling. And I would always, I ever, anytime I go back and read those, like almost all of them are like, look at me now, motherfucker. And I, like, I wouldn't even do anything. It's like when I graduated college, I was like, look at me now, motherfucker. You didn't think I could do it. Nobody didn't think I could do it. Like everybody, I was fucking in my thirties. Like everybody was pretty aware that I was going to be able to figure out how to do college, you know, but like operating out of spite is something that I identify with quite a bit. That's a big musician thing, an athlete thing, right? It's the, I, and I took that personally meme. Like it just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a constant, it's a constant in entertainment and in sports. So whatever, get, get, get it going, Marky. Um, okay. Let's get on to the articles just before we do. I got to pee so bad, uh, but yeah, no, we'll, maybe I will we'll, too. Okay. Hey, look at that. Okay. So the articles, Brian, uh, I just want to say 
I don't know if I want to start with this, but I think we have what might be the greatest quote in POD cast history. Do you want me to start with that or do you want me to like end? Yeah, with let's that? hear it. Let's hear okay, it. So this is also from the rock and world uh, interview with Chris Coles, the drummer and uh, God, it's just beautiful. All right. So this is uh, he's asking how Edema got together. Chris is talking about, oh, you know, Marky, the singer and Mikey were in a band going on three and a half years. The lineup at that time split up. So they brought in Dave and Tim and then they were in a band called Juice, which broke up. I was in Video Drone, and then Marky and Mikey formed the band. They needed a drummer. They played me the songs, and I flipped out and loved it and joined the band. And then a few weeks later, we did our demo. We were searching for a label. We were in a bidding war and had all these labels wanting to sign us. It was kind of like that, kind of like a Cinderella story. What part of this is a Cinderella story? You have Jonathan Davis's half brother. You are in the band for a couple of weeks and you're already in a major label bidding war. Either you don't understand what Cinderella story means or you are lying. But sir, you are an industry plant band. How could you possibly describe yourself as a Cinderella story? I really one of my favorite quotes ever. I really like this. Where did the name come from? Chris. The name is actually a medical term. It's spelled edema, and we just changed the spelling. Like, I could just picture him being like, and we just changed the spelling, and me and being like, it's a vegetable, corn, but we just changed the spelling with a K. Yeah, it's spelled edema with an E, right? It's probably also because it's pronounced edema even with the E, but maybe if the band name started with an E, people would call them like edema or something like that. And it's also funny, a friend of the band who worked at a, he was actually working at the morgue for a while. Is that friend of the band a half brother <laughs> of maybe somebody in the band? We do Find know that uh, someone, someone we're pretty familiar with worked at a morgue. So <laughs> he just mentioned the term one night and we thought it was so cool. So we used it with a different spelling. Basically, it it can also be like a German name. We thought the spelling was cool. It comes from a medical term. That's where it comes from. It means swelling of the skin, which, by the way, that's not even cool at all. Swelling of the skin. Okay. You, you want to hear something weird, uh, John? I have. Yeah, uh, I do. I just have Twitter open in my uh, on my second screen. And uh, what's happening? The trending thing. Entertainment trending Jim Carrey 5276 tweets so somehow Jim Carrey is trending so uh wow uh, it's because of this show that we're doing that is not out yet so, and yeah. no one knows that it's not like we're doing this live but uh but yeah the, uh go ahead uh, yeah i i did like the sounds great i like the question Sounds great. So it wasn't very tough for you guys to try breaking into the business being from Bakersfield. <laughs> yeah, guys, like, so it was pretty easy, right? It, yeah, he's it, literally, he was like, I was in the band for a few weeks. We made a demo and then major labels were bidding over us. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I sort of get what he's saying because he says, like, we'd all been in prior bands. We had all paid our dues, as they say. We've been playing for years and years. Everyone in this band, although we've only been together for a little over a year, everyone in this band has collectively toured and played like I sort of get maybe that's what he's getting at with the Cinderella story part. But it's just like 
you know, you're talking about a guy who was on Jonathan Davis's label, Jonathan Davis's half brother, a guy who was uh, in a band with uh, it was in sex art with Jonathan Davis and a guitarist from Orgy. Like, of course, you were going to get major label interest. Like, I don't know why the bands didn't get the major label interest before. Maybe it just needed that combination of all those people. But uh, yeah, a Cinderella story. Sucked. It is not. And, or yeah, they were just making really bad music, and it wasn't until this unit came together that they finally figured it out. But this this line cracked me up too. It, it didn't crack me up, but but I I had to make a comment on it. As far as stained, we're still on that tour, and it's great. They're super cool and cold as well. They're really nice guys. It's really cool. It's kind of like a big party, really. After a show, we get to hang out with each other and drink beer and have fun. It's cool. And then I put in parentheses next to it. I find it hard to believe that partying with Stained is fun. <laughs> I think you can tell that it's not actually that fun, but he didn't know what to say because he says cool three times in one sentence. Oh, you know, partying with Stained. Uh, yeah, it's actually really cool. You know, um, yeah, they're just kind of like really cool guys and like we kind of hang out after the show and that's cool and um yeah it's just like they're just super cool like it just definitely sounds like <laughs> they don't sound fun they don't all. sound like, fun yeah we covered a stained album and the articles made them seem terrible everybody oh, totally. that has come in contact with aaron lewis has said he's terrible to be around of course and it's just like i feel sorry for the guy because i know you can't say you know Hey, maybe the guitarist from Stained is really fun, but you fucking a hundred percent know that Aaron Lewis has never had fun in his entire life. Yeah, no, definitely not. He seems like an absolute miserable freak. Um, so yeah, and then this article has the section where Marky is talking what talking about what every song is about. None of them are super that interesting, but it did. Yeah, the way you like it is really funny because it's kind of backing onto what you said, Brian. That's my laugh back at all those people. Like, yep. haha, I'm here doing what I want to do. I don't have to deal with that anymore. And that's what way you like it is about. It's like, well, you do still kind of have to deal with it. You're not yeah. famous. Uh, but yeah, so that one made me laugh. And then the final one for me in this article is uh, Rock and World, which this is also a really weird question. Do you get much of a chance to go out and drum the hell out of these songs live? <laughs> and then Chris is like, yeah, we play every song on the record. The one we're not playing too much right now is Speculum. I'm like, oh, really? You're not playing the abortion yeah. song on tour? Interesting. No. Uh, yeah, but we play every song and it's pretty much there's a little bit of electronics for color, but it's pretty much just bashing the hell out of the drums. It's what I love to do. So it's cool. Yeah, I, I do have. uh what do I got? This is Unrated Magazine. We're on which uh, one are we on here? So we are on Rock and World, but you're good. You're good with all that one. Yeah. Uh, so un Unrated Magazine is an interview with Dave DeRue. This one's from October 21st, 2003. So this would be after their next album uh, had come out or is coming out. So they they did an EP. So, this, so there's Edema is the self-titled. Then they did an album called Unstable and they did an EP in between those two. So they they put out something in 01, 02 and 03. Um, but I figure we're probably never covering Edema on the show again. So a 2003 article is just fine. But yeah, this is from Unrated magazine october 21st oh. 03 the interview is by morgan weinert and dave deru is, the is the bass player one of the great interviewers we've ever seen on uh uh this show i'm serious this guy killing me i'm just gonna read the opening 
of the article, which blew my fucking mind. Dave Daru, the basis of the popular new rock band, Edema, is a big motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah, no, that's kind that, of thing. He, he typed out motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, it's spelled that way. At first look, the tall, muscular, black clad rock star looks like an angry skinhead ready to bash your brains in if you give him one wrong look. So imagine my surprise when I stepped onto the tour bus expecting an interview with a pissed off rocker, only to receive a very pleasant interview with a kind hearted, funny guy. But I soon learned that judging the book of Edema by its cover is a very bad mistake. Um, and then he he spends the rest of the thing going like, you know, they're, people call them new metal, but they're actually good. So you should really check it. He goes, Edema's confident guitars and clear melodic vocals, which, by the way, confident guitars is such a weird way. Like, I've never heard somebody. I love somebody confident guitar. Whenever <laughs> I hear, I know confident guitars when I hear it, baby. He goes, this love child of new metal and good heavy rock has every reason to be proud of itself. Adima has gone from another nameless new metal band to a truly outstanding and unique band that will, if the gods are willing, continue on for many years to come, which that didn't even end up happening. Uh, but it's also extreme, extremely funny to be like, yeah, you know, when I first heard him. I was like, what another fucking, you know. What another fucking uh, nameless new metal band. <laughs> yeah. I, I also, this is, he brings this up a few times. Uh, there's a, we're, we'll hear it in another article as well, but they really want people to know that Marky got voice lessons, uh, which I think is yeah. super funny because like he sounds good on this record. Like I did not hear this record and think, wow, these vocals really need some tuning up. Like he sounds good on the record, but it's it just, it's, great. it's clear that, the band doesn't like him and he doesn't like the band. Uh, but yeah, Dave says uh, unstable makes up for any bad press edema got with their first self-titled album. Again, <laughs> taking a shot at their yeah. first record Sir. by proving the band isn't just another spawn of new metal. Not only did the voice lessons that Marky received between albums, make his voice stronger and more demanding. That's not the right verb, but also a right adjective, but also the album is overall more mature and unique. Dave agrees that the band has grown up, but adds it wasn't just with the music. We grew as people and as brothers and our friendship grew, which I always love when we read these articles and they say stuff like that. And then the band breaks up like a year later, the strong yeah. bonds that have formed in his band affect the band's overall perception of the lyrics too. One of the strengths that Marky has as a writer is that he writes a lot of stuff from personal experience or from third person experience of the people around him. The rest of us in the band were around him when he experienced some of those events. So we know where he's coming from when he writes the songs, but he keeps the, the songs vague enough where anyone can identify with them. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very, this guy is very cool. So, and then uh, we talked about this a little bit. I got, I got like two more things okay. I got from, from the Orion uh, yeah, this is from uh, the Orion from August 28th, 2002. And this is what a headline. Edema swells wide with pride upon return home, which, of course, you had to get swells in there knowing what Edema is about. This is written by Christine Tonietti. Oh, my God. This is my this is a great one here. This is so good to me this may be mine living on a bus and traveling through thousands of zip codes each month has given edema a lot of humorous memories oh we're this some... is so <laughs> fucked I, i'm so we're... glad you're reading this one because it's it this is a brian quote and it is also <laughs> one of the dumbest things we've ever read we were at some eatery 
first of all, don't say eatery. It's a restaurant. <laughs> okay. Eatery. We were at some eatery in Virginia. This guy calls sandwiches handhelds. Like he just says it because it's on the uh, thing. We were at some eatery in Virginia, and I thought it would be funny to loosen all the tops of the ketchup and mustard containers, Ransom said. <laughs> I, pa- I passed out on a bench, and Dave thought it would be funny to dab some mustard on my face. It was almost as if I played the trick on myself. Worst story I've ever heard about a prank. <laughs> Never well, been a worse What a story. fast forward as well. Like, so we <laughs> went know. to this restaurant. We thought, oh, let's be some badass rock stars and loosen the tops of ketchup and mustard bottles. And then, and then but then he's fast forwards to, oh, I was passed out on a bench <laughs> and they squirted mustard on me. That's not the trick you're playing. Like, oh, they almost played the trick on me. No, that's a totally different trick. Always so funny for for like, because celebrities do this a lot too like movie stars are like he plays a lot of pranks and then every time they make the prank it fucking sounds like the worst prank ever like loosening the ketchup and mu- like okay one what is the mechanics of this trick because you can't leave the lid on the ketchup and and use it you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know what kind of maybe they're the squirty boys or something like that. But like it just the mechanic of the trip trick doesn't make any sense. And it's also, again, something a 12 year old would say. You know, 100%. It's such a boring prank. <laughs> I also love the uh, just the last two sentences of the of this article is the most 2002 sentence sentences I've ever read. Fans can look forward to a to a cover of an Allison Chain song this fall and a few remixes. Edema will begin recording their second album in January. Christine Tognetti can be reached at littletoggy at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> Christine Tognetti is a great name. I, I thought down. it would be pronounced like Tognetti, like the G and N would go together. But obviously, uh, she's American. So going with the hard G there. Little Toggy. I just love Little, that. That's really good stuff. Toggy. Uh, so all I have left here is uh, Blabbermouth from 2022. This is a story about. Uh, yeah. So this one is. Uh, oh, yeah. This is a great one as well. So, yeah, this is August 17th, 2022. So Ryan Shuck, whose name we heard earlier, he was Orgy in guy. sex art, ended up being the guitarist of Orgy, uh, is now the singer of Edema. And the headline of the Blabbermouth article, August 17th, 2022, Edema singer Ryan Shuck blasts original frontman Marky Chavez. He, quote, hasn't respected the fans and the band. Uh, so anyway, go ahead. This is the best, most fucking you know, uh, uh, sideways, like, like just a, like this guy's a dummy. Chavez originally left Edema in 2004 due to quote, creative differences. After two successful albums, Edema and Unstable, the singer who is the half brother of corn frontman Jonathan Davis quit Edema again in January, 2011 in order to pursue his quote, solo project. And I love that they put solo project yes. in quotes because that's never going to see the light of fucking day. You nope. There isn't like, you're not going to be able to be, be Jonathan Davis's brother anymore. It's a lot less impressive in 2023 than it may have been back then. We, we kind of fame is like a whole different thing now. You know what you get what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, 
I remember back then, like, the goal was fame more than it was money. And now I think the goal is probably money more than it's fame because you can, like, most people, you know, a lot of people can get their hands on a tiny bit of fame and it's stupid and silly and, and you know, it's it's a weird feeling and stuff. But, like, money is impossible to get. But back then, it was all about being famous. So uh, he goes, he quit to do his solo project. He rejoined the group again six years later and played his first comeback show with Edema in May 2017 at the Whiskey in West Hollywood, California. And then he goes, uh, Edema's last full-length release was 2013's Topple the Giants, the group's first CD since 2007's Kill the Headlights, contained brand new tracks plus... Reworked version of Edema's chart-topping hits, Giving In and Unstable. Oh, we love when a new metal band redoes their old songs to sell records. That's really good stuff. Yeah, there's some other great... They dislike they dislike this guy so much. Then they're, we're just going to change the fucking song, dude. Yeah, so good. There's some really good quotes here from Ryan Shuck as well. Uh, uh, Ryan, so... <laughs> This sentence is also very funny. During an appearance on the latest episode of Jay Bunny's Music Hub podcast. <laughs> we can't get a guest. We can't get a new metal guest if we begged. And these guys just do these like some of the 100 view things. Yeah. Are so funny. Jay Bunny's Music Hub podcast. Adima's le- latest singer, Ryan Shuck, who joined the group in 2019, was asked if he thinks there's a chance the band will at some point work with original frontman Marky Chavez again. He responded, oh, no, no, no. There's not a chance. No, no, no. I own this. There's no option for that. No, not at all. I tried to put it together with Marky. That's how I ended up accidentally offering or accepting their kind of plea for some, hey, will you come in and sing for us for a tour? And it just turned out so well that I kept doing it. No, there's no chance of Chavez returning to the band, Ryan repeated. Unfortunately, Marky's jumped in, told him he's going to do it. Then he jumps out and pulls the plug on too many big tours, on too many good things, and it's damped the band so badly. Marky's really not a great person and hasn't really respected the art and the fans in the band and obviously isn't doing it anymore at all. You know, he just doesn't seem to care. Um, and then this part is very funny. I think the performance of the two singles that Adima has released so far with Shuck on vocals are evidence proof that Amir and I know what the fuck we're doing. They're performing better than any of the singles they've released on major labels with any of the mm. past singers, and they're performing on par with the original Adima stuff. I have all the numbers because I am the record label, and it's doing really, really well. So for me, that was sort of the indicator of whether I should keep doing it or not. But no, I don't think there's a chance in hell these guys would ever do anything with Marky again, Ryan Reed reiterated most of the fans i think get it the fans that don't get it unfortunately you're missing someone that doesn't like you you're missing (laughs) someone that does not care at all about whether or not you supported him uh really vitriolic there uh also super egotistical Uh, i own a record label edema's on the record label so he's never coming back fuck you shut up really good stuff very funny very very fucking funny because all that has to happen is that dude uh marky just says i, I, I wouldn't mind coming back and they bring him back for sure <laughs> can almost guarantee it because it's just worth more money that way you know 
Totally. And then I've got a couple more here. This one is great because this just blew me away. They were interviewed by CNN uh, in 2002, March <laughs> 1st, 2002, which that's already weird. This is by Jody Ross. And the, the headline is Edema, a colorful band that puts on a show. This is the first time that he's uh, Chavez is directly asked about Jonathan Davis. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, what about the six degrees of Jonathan Davis? Lead singer of Corn, Mark Chavez is his half brother, question mark. Chavez, that's a fact that's been well publicized. When we were getting our record deal, people didn't know about it because we're half brothers and don't have the same last name. I refuse to believe that's true. There is no fucking way that Arista was offering them this without knowing that he was Jonathan Davis's half brother. No, yeah. yeah. People started digging and finding out about that stuff, and that kind of came out, but it's just a family tie. We're separate from that band. They have their own record label and their own side of things, and we're doing it out here on our side of things. Um, and then there's another quote in this which i think brian this might give us a little glimpse into maybe why marky didn't get along with the rest of the band cnn writes not to minimize how hard you guys have worked but has it been relatively easy to get where you are which is an amazing i love that line it's so funny these interviewers just shitting on these new metal bands especially obviously jody seeing through the industry plant bullshit here in 2002 <clears throat> but great question, not to minimize how hard you guys have worked, but has it been relatively easy to get where you are? And Chavez says, I would say that the stuff we've been through has been challenging, but at the same time, I feel totally blessed by God that things have happened so fast. Yeah. You know, 99% of bands that even get signed don't see 100,000 records sold. Oh, you don't say. Uh, to get where we're getting, we're not like blowing up huge out of the water and stuff, but at this pace, this is fine. Uh, but I feel like that little God reference right there is uh, just that maybe that was a little bit of the of the turn of the screw there. Yeah, yeah. Thank God I was born in this family. So yeah, I love this. I love the, the, the industry plant that didn't really succeed as an industry plant. Just a truly great, great story. These guys. Yeah. And then this is the last one I have just because Brian, it wouldn't be a section of articles without the band refusing to claim themselves as new metal. Of course. Um, and edema is one of the most new metal bands we've ever listened to, which is why it's even funnier. This is from blabbermouth as well. August 11th, 2003. Despite the fact that his group is regularly being called new metal by most of the music press, Adima drummer Chris Coles wants to make it clear that as far as he is concerned, the new metal genre itself is little more than a media invention. Quote, I don't even really know what new metal is, Coles told Canada's chart attack. To be honest, I don't even think it exists. There's nothing new about metal. I'm not sure who came up with that term or why it stuck so much. We're just a rock band, he continued. We're influenced by metal, but the bands that influence us are Metallica and Pantera, and those bands aren't new, so I just don't see it. Not understanding the word. Not understanding. I love that. Uh, Metal's not new, man. It's been around forever. (laughs) I've been doing it for a really long time. I mean, Black Sabbath was in the the 70s, so of course. So funny. that's one of the funniest defenses moron. we've ever heard. I think, well, metal's Total not new, moron. so I don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. He just doesn't understand at all. He, he just, his brain doesn't work. Um, <laughs> I agree. I agree that his brain doesn't work, but yeah, really good quote. Uh, we're influenced by Metallica and Pantera. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh. I think you're actually very influenced by corn. 
Um, yeah, is yeah, actually what I would core. say an orgy. <laughs> I think an uh, orgy, you're yeah. you're very influenced by them. Uh, but yeah, very good stuff. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we're gonna get to the uh, the tweet defense. Uh, if you want all of those articles and a nice list for you, you can follow us on Patreon. Uh, they I post them uh, a few days after this episode comes out. So if you're curious and uh, you want the links to all those, they'll be up. Patreon.com slash the POD cast. Okay, this is where we review the album. It's called The Tweet Defense. Uh, if you're new to the show, what it is, is uh, we basically, if someone were to tweet at us and say, hey, uh, this Edema album sucks, how many tweets would you do in defense of this record? Brian, what's your... Uh, what, where are you at one. here? It's a tough one. It's a really good one, and everybody knows that the scale changes every month. But <laughs> I will give this a half of an infinity. I think so. It's it's not the best album we've ever done, but it is very good and it's perfect. I hope people understand what I'm getting at with like because basically what I'm saying is the highs are much higher on other albums that we did. This one is just an even fucking even Steven. Good, good album. So I'm giving it that a half, half of an, an half of an infinity. Love yeah. it. Okay. I'm going to go. Uh, I think I'll go eight on this one. I think is, uh, probably where I'm at. One of the better albums we've covered. I agree with you, Brian, uh, not as iconic as some of the other, uh, records that we've covered and certainly doesn't have uh, some of the, you know, the singles that shaped new metal. I mean, I think no matter what your favorite song on this record is, I don't think it would belong in like a top 10 or even top 20 new metal songs list. Uh, but do agree albums, very consistent, uh, and sounds very good. Uh, okay. If you want to support the show, I've already mentioned it a couple times where you can head on over to patreon.com slash blocked party, uh, or sort blocked party, my other podcast, Jesus Christ, patreon.com slash the POD. Someone emailed me about block party literally as I was talking about this. And I just got that in my head. I looked at my phone really quick and then I said block party. Sorry, patreon.com. Hey slash the pod cast that's cast with a k like the band corn we do three bonus episodes every single month we do one full-length bonus episode where we cover an album and then we do two singles last month we had eric from the soundtracker podcast helping us out with the scorpion king original soundtrack which was uh, a really really fun episode uh, so make sure to check that out you also get access to our discord and you get merch discounts and speaking of merch we have some fantastic new merch up on our brand new merch store head on over to the podcast.cool c-o-o-l uh, we collaborated with Young and Sick, uh, uh, an awesome designer uh, who made uh, just an incredible shirt for us. There's hoodies, shirts, stickers. Uh, they're all up there. So, uh, yeah, please check it out. And, and as I said, if you're a patron, uh, you get 15% off all of our merch. So head on over and check that out. Uh, okay, Brian, uh, we are here at the challenge. Uh, for those of you who are brand new again to the show, <clears throat> pardon me, this is just a, uh, uh, you know, we give ourselves a challenge based on this record and then we let you vote on the winner. Last month's challenge, we covered Rage Against the Machine's Evil Empire. It was to write a song about a political cause. And Brian, you uh, killed me on that one. I'm a little pissed, to be honest with you, because uh, my song had a title. Uh, people using umbrellas under, under awnings are the worst people in the world. Uh, but look, the people spoke and I have no choice but to accept uh, your overwhelming victory. So you're, you've won three months in a row. You're currently sitting at 22 wins. I have 21 wins and we have two ties. And uh, this month's challenge was your idea, Brian. So why don't you uh, give, it, uh, give it to us right here? So it's basically make a super group, right? Like 
we we you're, we're gonna we're gonna make a band out of siblings of yep. other bands. Now these siblings don't even have to exist. They just it's just you know we're gonna make a band. So I'll start with mine. Lead singer of this band is Stephen Marino, uh, brother of Chino Marino. Uh, drummers are Pete Silveria uh, from <laughs> David's brother. Uh, the do, guitar- do we even know that these people can play instruments, or you're just like these <laughs> no, are just I'm who they them are? Up. They don't even. Okay. Ha- I made them up. Terry Dimebag Daryl <laughs> on guitar. Wait, and- you think Dimebag Daryl's last name is Daryl? <laughs> <laughs> Best I can. Terry <laughs> Dimebag Daryl. <laughs> yeah. And Jerry Claypool on bass. Uh, and the band is called Strained. S T R A I N D. So that is my band that I made up. <laughs> The, I want good. to tell you the truth, though. Really I'm going to tell you the. Let me just tell you this. Okay. In, in 1998 or 99, if you did ask me to come up with a super group, I think this would probably be Chino, David, uh, Dimebag Daryl, and Les Claypool. Would genu- genuinely probably be the band I would have made up because I had in my mind that David. And I don't know. You played drums. I had in my mind that David was the best drummer. The best. He's a good drummer, drummer for sure. Yeah. yeah of, he's a good of drummer. Like all the bands, though. Like, if people would be like, who's your favorite uh, drummer? He would have been picked every single time. John Otto's a better drummer than him. Um, oh, well, you and play then, drums. And technically speaking, Jose Pasillas from Incubus is probably the, the best drummer from like a technical perspective. Maybe not like from a serving the song perspective necessarily, but like technically speaking, he's probably the best. Uh, but I would say John Otto is the best new metal drummer as far as combining Man. like technique, but then also like beats and grooves and stuff. I've always looked at the opening of Blind after Are You Ready as like some of the best drums in any of these <laughs> I mean, bands. it sounds great. It sounds great. Yeah, but rocks. Techni- technically speaking, not that difficult to play. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I was super clear. So whatever you whatever you do is cool. I'm sorry. I, I uh, It was very hard for me to explain what I was getting at. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I'm going the other way with it. I'm going in all I'm going all women's uh, group here. Uh, I'm going uh, I'm, but I'm going with real life people that I think Damn, would be very so funny to be a in a in a new. No, I don't I don't I don't agree. I think people will vote for you just based on Terry Dimebag Daryl. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I uh, I'm going with uh, Solange Knowles on vocals. Beyonce's sister, great, uh, great vocalist, and I'd love to hear what she does in a rock setting. I've got Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen on bass and keys. Uh, And then I've got, uh, I mean, I guess they're not technically famous siblings of a famous person, but like, whatever. I don't care. It's my show. And then I've got uh, Willow Smith on guitar. Uh, Willow's already kind of in the new metal space anyway. I feel like we kind of need her to like really bring it all together. Um, and then on drums, I've got Kendall Jenner just for the sheer freak factor of all of it. <laughs> uh, you just, you got to get it in there. And then I was thinking like, what's a sort of like movie that sort of encapsulates the time period. A lot of them came up in for a band name and I'm calling them freaky die day. Okay. See, Instead I of think that's Friday. Yours is better than mine. I would say, but I did. <laughs> I will say see. Terry Dimebag Daryl. <laughs> We'll let the people decide. Uh, so those that'll be up on our Twitter, uh, you know, usually before we're getting ready to record the next uh, the next month's episodes, uh, we will get uh, we will put up a poll and you can vote on who you think uh, wins. 
We'll also put up a poll for The Poll, the official album decider here on the POD cast. So make sure you're following us, twitter.com slash the POD cast, the POD underscore cast, and that's cast with a K, like corn. Uh, what happens every month, Brian and I will nominate two albums each, so four albums total, and then you, the listener, get to decide what we cover for next month's episode. Uh, Brian, what, uh, what two albums are you putting up in the poll here? Okay, uh, I had so much fun listening to Edema, and it was just like such a, a joy that I decided to go with another. I've, I've done one of these, and the other one I can guarantee has never been in the poll ever. Okay, okay. Uh-uh. Horror, United States of Horror is the first album that I'm okay, doing. I don't know them. It's spelled H O 9909. Oh, yes, yes, yes. They're, a new, they're newer, right? Oh yeah, they're new. Yeah, they're new, but okay. they rock and they cool. And then Vanilla Ice, hard to swallow. Again, <laughs> I'm putting in there. Couple of rappers there, huh? God, didn't we do hard to swallow? Did we? I. You know what? I thought I. Or did we just we, do the single? Did we do the I single? Think we or just did we do the did whole the single? Album? I think I can't search because I have. I'm searching I, right now. I don't think we okay, did. Okay, yeah, no, we didn't. Album. Yeah, no, we didn't yeah. do the whole album. We did the single. No, it's been okay. in the poll, I think, twice. It's been in the poll for sure, yeah. I, I thought, just I thought for to... some reason it won. I think it got very close to winning, so that's what uh that's what by the it. way, everybody, John will <clears throat> love horror. I mean, anybody who's heard him knows that he will like them. So Okay, yeah. I'm all, yeah. I'm, all I'm always down to listen to a new John Core band. Uh for me, I'm going with two records that were suggested by listeners, but that I think are also two records that would be great to to cover on the show. Uh the first one, they've been on a poll before, and I'd love to listen to them. Chevelle, wonder what's next. Uh, I feel like uh, you know, the red, such a great song, send the pain below. Uh, it's a really good record, and someone was complaining that we never put Chevelle on the poll. I was like, we have put them on the poll before. So anyway, they're going on the poll so they can get 8% of the vote and not win. And uh, <laughs> and then the other one, someone offered to do this for a bonus episode, but I think this has to be a main episode. And I'm kind of surprised we've never put it in a poll before, but I know that the people will really want us to talk about this. I also know the articles will be fucking insane. So whatever, it's time to just do it. I am nominating Metallica's Saint Anger, and uh, we'll just uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if that's what the people want from us. But God, uh, yeah. I hope that doesn't win because I hated that album. Oof. Oh, me too. And it's so long. I think too, it's got to yeah. be like seventy-eight minutes or some bullshit like that. But yeah, it's Metallica. My oh, lifestyle okay. determines my death style, Brian. So that's, sick, uh, you know. that's cool. <laughs> That's so like really there, deep. there you have it. Horror, Vanilla Ice, Metallica, and Chevelle. What other podcast would even think of covering uh, those four albums potentially? So yeah, again, head on over to twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. Uh, the, the polls are up there. That's the only place that you have an opportunity to vote. So check it out there. And again, check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the POD cast. It's only $4 a month for three bonus episodes. It's the best deal in podcasting. And if you want to support the show in public and you're, you're thinking, you know what? I want a better way to talk about new metal with complete strangers. Head on over to the POD cast.cool and check out our merch. Thank you for listening. We love you and we appreciate you. And we will see you back here next month. Goodbye.